Here's Elliott side by side down the back stretch. Chastain in turn one drives it in deep to the bottom. Problems along the front stretch. Kyle Larson gets sideways. He's young. He's informed. He's J.C. Fickenshire. And it's time now to raise the door on J.C.'s Garage. Welcome back to J.C.'s Garage. I'm J.C. Fickenshire, joined by Brad Gilly from PRN. And Chase Elliott takes away Talladega, wins the first playoff driver to win a, a race in the playoffs so far. Pretty surprising that it took this long to get a playoff driver to win. And I'm surprised that the first win by a playoff driver in the playoffs was done at Talladega. Um, it was it was a, a different race at Talladega. I was expecting it to be a little more chaotic, but uh, it was still a very good race. Came down to the last lap. Uh, battle between Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott uh, kind of made his way through the pack, got up on the high side, got pushed by Eck Jones, and got pushed down the front stretch and won the race. So uh, pretty impressive for him to get get a win. He has been kind of weird in the playoffs, hasn't been as good as we thought he would be, but he, he was able to advance last round, and now he's locked in to advance to the round of eight. Man, I got I got to say, JC, it was uh, watching the end of that race for one. And you're right. It is surprising that uh, really I thought if any race was going to bring a non-playoff driver to victory lane, it was going to be Talladega. And it's uh, kind of interesting that this is the first one that we get the playoff driver there. Um, but you're right. You know, for Chase Elliott, if you think about it, he really had a horrible playoff opener. He spun on his own at Darlington, had a bad finish, went from like first in the standings, the number one seed down to ninth after that first one. And then we start the second round at Texas, and Chase Elliott again, more problems, goes from the number one seed, drops down to seventh, uh, but then here he comes again. Not only does he get the race win, but he also won stage two, which gives him six more playoff points, which means that when we go to Las Vegas Motor Speedway here in a couple weeks, uh, he'll once again be the number one seed, um, and now he'll have even stretched it out by just a little bit more with the six extra playoff points that he had, but um I was surprised that yesterday uh, at Talladega, we didn't see more um, just of the craziness. It actually seemed like the playoff drivers were racing with the mindset that, that this is a battle and I really need to think about winning the war. And if I fight too hard here, I might find myself way too far back to be able to do anything about it at the Roval. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to think of that it wasn't as crazy as we expected, mainly for a couple reasons, but I want to put this in. It might be because of the safety concerns on the car. There's been a little bit of safety concerns over the whole year, and Alex Bowman sustained a wreck in Texas where it was very similar to Kurt Busch's wreck. He ends up with a concussion and is out for Talladega. So I think about now, I think Alex Bowman's shot to win, to advance is Basically, I'd be very surprised to see him race at the Roval. Uh, but taking the, the smart route to, to not really risk anything and just kind of opt out of the races, no Gregson ended up filling for him. But I, I wonder if some of these drivers are going into Talladega, which we expect to be one of the most dangerous tracks on the circuit. Uh, so the, the longest track... Uh, for an oval and it's super fast and you're really bunched up together so if there's a wreck it's going to be pretty big and we didn't see the big one uh yesterday we saw a wreck in turn one that was it was it had a, a couple cars i'd say around 10 cars but it wasn't the the normal big one we had and i just want to i i'm just kind of interested to see if that's if anybody will speak out on that if that's a reason why they were a little more tame than they normally are at television 
Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know, every race has its own personality, and this one just simply had the personality of just be there uh, at the end. And for whatever reason, um, I, I definitely don't doubt that a lot of these drivers were thinking about the fact that, look, if I hit here, I, you know, if I get in a wreck, I know I'm going to hit something. And hitting something just simply doesn't feel good right now. And with Kurt Busch being out, presumably for the rest of the season with a concussion, um, with Alex Bowman being out for who knows how long, Rick Hendricks said after the race he expects him to race at the Roval, but we'll see uh, what the doctors say about that. Yeah, I mean, why would you want to take that risk if you're worried that just what could be an innocuous, minor-looking wreck backing something into the wall, not very hard by all appearances, could be something that could take away your playoff chances for the rest of the year. Yeah, and it's if you look at the standings now with Alex Bowman's early wreck out at Texas and then now missing Talladega, he if he goes back to the Roval, he is in a must-switch situation, which I I think for him is out of the possibility to advance. He to me, he's not the the best road course driver, and he he doesn't really stand out at a on the road courses. And I think coming off an injury, if he if he does come back from a uh, injury that a concussion will maybe lag your reflexes a little bit, you might be a little delayed. So I think I don't know. I think his shots to advance are, are pretty slim if he comes back to the Roval. But you also see another Hendrick driver, William Byron, who's now on the bottom side of the cutoff points, eleven points uh, out as of right now, and he's going to go into the Roval with a, a day he's going to want a, a lot of stage points, but he, he might come down to a, a winning day for him to, to advance. And I thought that was pretty surprising. I think two guys who were outside Christopher Bell and William Byron, I really didn't see them not making this round, but it looks like right now with Christopher Bell being 33 points outside of the playoffs, he's also going to be in um, basically a must win unless he sweeps both of the stages and finishes pretty high up. Uh, but it's pretty surprising. Both of the track house cars, we saw dinosaurs. He's now 12 points to the good. Uh, he's, he's been very consistent. Both of the track house cars have uh, been in the top 10, both of these races, Texas and Talladega. And I think that's the consistency you need to go and uh, have a chance to run for a championship. Yeah, I agree. You know, and as we sit here and talk today, the Monday after the Talladega race, um, you know, William Byron's fate could be completely changed with their appeal on Thursday of the 25-point penalty uh, that he was given for behavioral actions when he wrecked Denny Hamlin under caution at Texas. And maybe that could turn the tables for him. But, J.C., think about this. Those names that you just mentioned. Christopher Bell had the best round out of any playoff driver in round number one. In fact, he outpointed the next best driver by 25. And the driver that he outpointed was William Byron. So William Byron was actually second best in the first round. A lot of people didn't even expect Alex Bowman to make it out of the first round. And here he comes with three phenomenal races and uh, and makes the second round not just by a little, but by a lot. And right now, those three drivers are are below the cut line by a measurable number of points right now. And then you've got a tie right there at the bubble with Austin Sindrick and with Chase Briscoe. And Austin Sindrick is the one on the outside looking in with the tiebreaker. And Chase Briscoe is on the inside. But but they're even right now. And that could literally change if one driver finishes fifth and the next driver finishes fourth. So, you know, it, it's crazy to think that three of the drivers that had the best first round of the playoffs are now the furthest back in points here in round two. 
Yeah, so basically what you're saying there is uh, the Roval is going to be a very exciting race. It's going to come down to, I would say, four drivers. If Christopher Bell and, and Alex Bowman want a shot to, to advance, they're going to have to win. And that, that depends on if Alex Bowman makes it back. And I think Christopher Bell, he can definitely win at um, the Roval. He, he won at Daytona on the Daytona road course. Um, not exactly similar, but a road course and a road course, kind of the same thing. Uh, but when you got, I would put it down to these four guys with William Byron, Austin Cindric, Chase Briscoe, and Daniel Suarez. I think all four of those guys are going to be battling for a position in. I'd be surprised if Kyle Larson or Joey Logano or Denny Hamlin or Ross saying some guys, they, the Kyle Larson and Joey Logano both have 18 points to the good, which they're in an area where they can lose that, but they're veteran j- drivers, past champions. I'd be very surprised if they make a mistake and end up wrecking out, they'll probably go into into the Rova with a day, just mentality, finish the race. And if they do that, they should be pretty good. But these four guys who are right on the right on the bubble, I think all of them have a have a solid shot to win at the Rova. I think they're all very good road course drivers. And I think it's gonna be really exciting to watch these four drivers battle it out. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with you. And to your point, I, I mean we saw it at Talladega. The veterans know how to race clean when they need to. And what is the mentality at the Roval? Um, For some of these veteran drivers who are in a pretty good position, you know, Ryan Blaney's in a great spot. Ross Chastain is in a great spot. You know, we look at some of these other drivers. Obviously, Chase Elliott's advanced. They just need to not make a mistake. You start to get a little further down the point standings, and then you wonder to yourself, does Daniel Suarez feel like he needs to make something happen? And and I think really what happens at the end of Stage 2, or I I should say maybe by the end of Stage 2, when we know just how many stage points drivers had collected along the way, and really what their true points position is to make that run to the end of the race. I mean, is Kyle Larson and Joey Logano, are those two drivers both safe at plus 18? Is Daniel Suarez safe at plus plus 12 right now, um, you know, it, it, it could change. It could completely flip-flop by the time we get to uh, the end of Stage 2. Yeah, it's it's going to be an exciting race to watch because it it's a fairly new track as well because I think we're going into the fifth race uh, at the Roval, fifth or fourth. I'm not exactly sure if that's right, but it's, it's a track that with these new cars, I will say they do have – a little bit of track time with these cars. Some drivers do on the Roval. They did a preseason test uh, just after the Roval race last year, uh, where the teams were able to take their cars out onto the track and kind of set them up and feel, get, get them as fast as they're comfortably to do so. And f- I was there and I, and I saw it and it was, it, it was exciting. A lot of guys made mistakes though. So the, the thing that I'm seeing is, they, they have a little bit of track time with these cars, but over the season it has changed a whole lot with how comfortable these guys are with the cars. I'm not sure how much that will play into the role. So a, a very technically challenging track with the Rova, one of, if not the most challenging in my opinion, I think this is a, a track that if you try to throw a Hail Mary and you go for it, you can be – you can be out of it just as quickly as you are on the track. So I'm excited to see how it plays out with how William Byron and and Christopher Bell will drive. Will they kind of throw the car at it and go for the win, or will they try to make their way through stages? I think Christopher Bell will go for the win, but I'm interested to see how William Byron plays this round. 
Yeah, I agree. You know, last year, um, and you were right, it is the fifth race at the Roval. Um, William Byron actually had a chance to win this race. And, and William Byron was out front, and he was out front by a good measure. Uh, you know, he probably had, I don't remember what the exact number is right here in front of me, but he might have had another 15, 20 laps to go or so. They were on their last fuel run. He was in a good place to win. Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick had had their interaction uh, there on the road course, <laughs> and Kevin Harvick almost knocked off Chase Elliott's bumper. And you actually have to give a lot of credit to Alan Gustafson, Chase Elliott's crew chief, and their entire crew. They reattached the rear bumper just enough because now as William Byron's leading this race last year, and he needed to win at the time to be able to advance into the round of eight, his teammate Chase Elliott is driving around with the rear bumper just hanging off the back of the car. You know it's going to come off. You just don't know when. Finally, it does. NASCAR does not make Chase Elliott pit the car. Finally, the rear bumper comes off. Caution comes out. And that pretty much ended the chance for William Byron. So really, Chase Elliott took away William Byron's chance to advance. After the restart happens, William Byron's running around second or third. Tyler Reddick's behind him, dive bombs him into the backstretch chicane, and effectively takes out William Byron at the time. Um, it, it was just such a strange twist of events to think that Chase Elliott because of their rear bumper, and they're trying to advance themselves. But Chase Elliott actually took away the opportunity for William Byron to win that race and advance to the next round. Yeah, B, and you gotta you gotta give Chase Elliott credit with the Talladega win. I think you take out that Talladega win, he still goes into the Roval as the favorite to win. But now that he has that, I think. We won't see him being the leading driver to win. So we're going to see guys like William Byron and, and Christopher Bell and, and Austin Sidrick and Chase Briscoe and Daniel Suarez. If they're going for the win, they're going to be up there and they're going to be leading, I think. It's it's going to be a really exciting race. And I still don't know who to really pick as my winner. I think you got the, the top dogs, which I would say A.J. Allmendinger with his Xfinity domination at the Roval and Chase Elliott with the cup domination at the Roval. I think those are going to be the top guys to choose, but this season has been so unpredictable. I'm, I'm not sure that one of them will even finish the race. So I'm really excited to, to, to get closer and, and I'm excited to make our picks towards the end of the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, just looking up stats this year with the next-gen car, um, and this goes in terms of points collected, and points collected and average finish are going to be two different things here. But Chase Elliott leads all drivers in the next-gen car on road courses right now. Um, he also leads all drivers in performance at the Roval in the four races we've had. Interestingly, Joey Logano has collected the second-highest number of points on a road course by two over his teammate Austin Sindrick. But Austin Sendrick's road course average this year is 7th. Joey Logano's road course average this year is 16.8. Now, that is all strategy, if you think about it, J.C., because a lot of times, what do we see? Right before a stage ends on a road course, every crew chief is going to pit their car because they want to restart at the uh, beginning of the next stage in a better position. Some of the drivers will stay out till the end of the stage and they'll collect stage points, but then they're going to have to restart behind all of the other drivers. So, you know, for Joey Logano, even though he's collected a lot of points on road courses, that average finish of 16.8, man, that's a big average right there by comparison to some of the other drivers who were in single digits. And Joey Logano has won stages that way. That's how majority of his five stage wins have 
been gotten is he comes down, you either pit or you stay out and you pit after the caution. And Joey's in a spot where if he doesn't pit, he can finish and win the stage, and he does that. But the thing is, he he hasn't run very well at the road courses. He hasn't been in in the top five battling for a win at any of the road courses. So I I don't know. It's it's weird. He's got a lot of points there, but he he definitely I wouldn't say is. I don't think he he'll have a shot to win it just because of the Fords have been solid on the road courses. They've they've been good, but that Penske camp, I'm really surprised they've been the way they are through the road courses. I think Ryan Blaney is a very good road course driver. I'm I'm I think Austin Sindrick's one of the best road course drivers in the top series of the Cup series, but they just haven't really showed out too much. So I'm surprised. To, I'm I'm excited to see. If we see Austin Cindric be able to, to hold them off and, and actually fight for a win, because the Fords have been the Penske Fords have been pretty solid on the road courses, but Joey Logano, uh, he he just gets all those points just because of the stage wins and the way they kind of the the way they kind of finish the stages out with him staying out and not pitting and getting the stage points and then pitting and but waiting behind the rest of the pack. But one team that's been really, really good on the road courses and won two of the road course races, Trackhouse is is one you're going to have to watch out for. I think they're going to be really competitive at the Roval uh, with Ross Chastain getting the first Trackhouse win out of that organization at Coda earlier this year and Daniel Suarez getting his first career win at Sonoma earlier this year. So they've been really good in, with these cars at the road courses. doesn't matter where you go. They're always up front. So I think if I were to pick a team or pick, pick two drivers, I, I'd say those two are going to be the ones to watch out for. Yeah, I agree. I think you definitely have to have them on your fantasy list this weekend for sure. And, and, you know, think about this too, JC, are their strategies completely opposite this weekend? Because Ross Chastain is sitting there as the number three seed at plus 28. I do feel at plus 28, all you really need to do is go out there and just have a normal race. You don't have to do anything spectacular, and, and you don't have to really take any big chances. Just don't make mistakes and have a normal race. And I think Ross Chastain advances on points. But Daniel Suarez sitting at plus 12, and again, where we sit here today, what if William Byron's team wins their appeal and he gets 25 points back? You know, what kind of situation does that put them in? And do we end up seeing Ross Chastain on one strategy just to kind of play it cool? And then Daniel Suarez maybe on another strategy to go grab all the stage points and then after that do what you can to try and win stage three, you know? Um, I, I think there'll be a lot of twists and turns along the way just within that team and maybe some different things happening. I think at the point where Daniel Suarez is sitting right now, he's 12 to the good. He's in the seventh position in the in the playoffs. So I, if I'm Daniel Suarez going into this race, I want to be in the mix for most of the day. I want to be up in the top 10 running. I want a shot, though, to win that race. I, want, I don't want to be up there in the front having a shot to win the stages and not coming out with those stage wins and then having to start in the back going into the stage, stage three. I want to be up in the top 10 around top five by stage three and have a shot to win the race. If I need to win the race, I can go out, drive hard and, and make it happen. If I don't, I can just kind of settle there and I'll have a good point stay and I'll look good going into the round of eight. But it's, it's, it's a different thing. Cause you know, Daniel Suarez is the driver. I'm just a fan watching it. So it's, it's going to be different than what I think they should do. 
uh, but I'm very interested to see how he does, and I really hope he can advance, and both Ross Chastain and, and Daniel Suarez can advance because that would be a big step for this two-car team that just started a year ago. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you um, as well. That would be huge for them to think that in their sophomore season um, they both have a chance at actually making the championship four. You know, then we have to ask the question, who's out? You know, if we look at the current drivers that are on the outside, two of the Hendrick drivers are out right now, um, which is half of the Hendrick drivers. Half of the Joe Gibbs drivers are out, with Christopher Bell being down by 33 points. Danny Hamlin's on the good side of that. And and from Team Penske, Austin Sindrick could be out of that. You know, those are all powerhouse teams right now. But between Hendrick and Team Penske and Joe Gibbs Racing that could end up losing a very large percentage of the available race cars they have to run for the championship. Yeah, well, I think as of right now, I think 10 out of the 12 drivers can win this championship, and you can make a reason that all 12 of these guys in the round of 12 can win the championship, not just make it there, go all the way and win it. And I'd say the two that I would have out would be Cindric and Briscoe, just because their seasons haven't been too consistent. They've been good at times, but they're they're just a little way less inconsistent than the, the majority of these guys. And I think the rest, you can make a case for them to have a shot to win the championship. But I, I just would put those guys aside. And then with this, this after the Roval, the round of eight is really, it's going to be an exciting round because all of these tracks, I think each manufacturer has a shot at winning it. And now that we look at it, we only have two Toyotas in, in the, in the playoffs right now. It looks, if you end it right now, it looks like we're only going to have one left. So, We'll have a mix of every manufacturer in the round of eight. But going into Las Vegas, Martinsville, and then you have Homestead, those are all tracks that I think any of these guys can win. And I think the one that's going to be a, a, the biggest like the biggest unpredictable one is Homestead. We haven't raced there in two years. We haven't seen what these cars have done on there. There was a test there a, a week or two ago, but I, I'm not sure how the racing is going to be there. The racing two years ago was amazing there. So I'm, I'm expecting a great race and I'm expecting that most of these manufacturers will have an equal shot at, at those tracks. We've seen the Chevys kind of surge ahead uh, as the leading manufacturer, but if you go to Phoenix and you go to Martinsville and the intermediate tracks, it, it kind of shortens up a little bit. I think Las Vegas, the Toyotas will be very good at and Homestead. I'm, I'm still not sure who's going to be the leading manufacturer there. I'd probably put it on Chevy as of right now, but Martinsville, I think the Fords will have a, a great shot to win that. And then Phoenix, we saw a Ford of Chase Briscoe win it earlier this year. So I think how it kind of finishes out here, it, it plays really well into the fact that all the playoff drivers have a shot to win. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And you're right. You can see a path for pretty much every one of these drivers. And, and let's not forget, you know, we opened up the first four playoff races this year with drivers going to victory lane who were not playoff contenders. Tyler Reddick was until we went to Texas, and he no longer was in the round of 12. But then two of those tracks in the next round really set up well for Tyler Reddick, Las Vegas, and definitely Homestead. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think, you know, JC, there's a great, great chance that maybe some of the drivers that we're talking about that are actually the ones in victory lane might not necessarily be drivers who could advance because they're no longer in the playoffs. And 
that to me has made it really, really interesting because, uh, again, right now, only one of the eight playoff spots is truly taken away, and Chase Elliott earned that with his win at Talladega. There are seven that are up for grabs right now, and those seven are, are going to be fought against among 11 different drivers, maybe 10, depending on whether or not Alex Bowman is able to come back this week. But to me, there is almost something more interesting about the fact that drivers are not clinching their spot into the next round. Yeah, it's it's been surprising, obviously, seeing Eric Jones go ahead and win Darlington to start the playoffs, and then you have guys like guys that kind of came out of nowhere. They they weren't. We saw Bubba Wallace. He's been solid throughout the regular season, but and and I expected him to do well at, at Kansas. I didn't expect him to win it by that much. And then Bristol, I I did not see Christopher Chris Busher or Brad Keselowski either of those uh, RFK cars being competitive. But they came out there, and, and they were fast, and, and they led a lot of laps, and they ended up winning it. So I think from the start of the season, the way we kind of perceive these cars is, yeah, it's going to be pretty mixed to start the season. But I think once the playoffs come, it, it, we'll, ha- we'll see a guy or a team surge ahead as the leading team. We are five races away from the championship, and no team – has come out and proved that they're the best. You can you can see at, in sections of the season where Chase Elliott won four races in, in a certain stretch, but then he went on a real long cold streak until last week at Talladega. So it's it's really been a lot of this car that's made made this possible to have 19 winners this season. And I think we're going to have a good shot to get 20 new winners as we go to the Roval, a road course track. I think there's guys like Michael McDowell could win it. AJ Allmendinger could win it. It's going to be pretty exciting to see if we can get break the 20 winner, um, the 20 uh, winners, 20 different winners. But it's it's been a really fun season to watch. And I, and I like how we're this far into the season and we still have no clue on who's the championship favorite. I I think you could make a reason why Chase Elliott might be as of now, but again, it's it's too it's weird to say, but it's too early to tell. Yeah, it is too early to tell. And is this the year that sets itself up that um, you know whoever wins in Phoenix is actually not the champion of the sport because a non-playoff driver wins there too? But I agree with you, um, and I think you're spot on with that. That we just don't know. You know, it's real easy to live in the world of what have you done for me lately? And wow, Chase Elliott won at Talladega. How about that? He's just back on top. Well, the week before he finished thirty-second at Texas. You know, it's uh, it, it just it's so up and down right now. And I think you also hit it, too, in talking about the different tracks. You know, Las Vegas maybe sets itself up for Toyota. Maybe Homestead sets itself up for a Chevrolet deal. Martinsville, way up in the air. Could the Fords be the ones that we see be the strongest at Phoenix? And right now, we're starting to kind of whittle it down with the amount of Fords that we have uh, potentially in playoff contention as well. So, you know, what do we have? We don't know. And that's pretty exciting right now. And I and I think the best part about this is the the spring race at Phoenix was it was it wasn't the best race we've had this season. We've had we've had some very very good races this season, but for for compared to last year, I think Phoenix was a great race. But if you go back and watch it, all three manufacturers were competitive there, and I think that's going to be amazing for the fact that we're going to have four drivers. They might be all three different manufacturers. They might be just two manufacturers. 
Uh, very unlikely that it's just one, but it's possible. But if it is all three different manufacturers, I think it's going to be exciting in the fact that it's probably one of our most diverse track in the fact that each manufacturer will have a shot to, to win that race, which I'm excited about. And I just don't think that we're going to see a guy outside of the playoffs back up for, for one of these four championship four drivers at Phoenix. I think we'll see the guys who are outside of it and trying to just win the race by themselves. I think we could very well see a, a non-playoff driver win that race. And I think we might see it. I think with the fact that it's Phoenix, it's it's a diverse track. We got guys, you can name 20 different guys that could win that race. And I think it's going to be exciting to see who does win that race and who's even in the championship four and has a shot to win it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The, you know, the other thing, too, I like, JC, is the fact that, hey, it, it doesn't matter if a driver's in the playoffs or they're not in the playoffs right now. You know, historically, we've started to see the deeper you go in. And, and maybe that's going to change when we get to the round of eight. And maybe it will change when we get to Phoenix. But historically, we've seen non-playoff drivers kind of give a wider berth, kind of go out there and say, okay, I don't want to ruin your championship hopes. Um, you know, I'm going to race hard for myself, but I'm also going to be conscious of not making sure that, you know, I slip and run you into the wall. I don't know that that matters to anybody this year. I think we've seen in every one of these races, they have literally just been races like we've seen in the regular season. And if someone can go out there and grab that trophy, they're going to fight as hard as they can to do it. And if at the end it's a playoff driver, great. If at the end it's not a playoff driver, great. But to your point as well, hey, 19 winners right now. Could be 20, could be 23. We don't know. Yeah, and and I think you can you can see it as the Darlington race. I know that's the start of the playoffs race, but Eric Jones was battling with guys who were having a shot to win it and advance in the playoffs with Denny Hamlin, Tyler Reddick, Joey Logano, and Christopher Bell. That's the rest of the top five. All four of those guys were in the playoffs, and Eric Jones was racing them very hard. He wasn't giving them anything, and I think that's that's how it should be. I, I like that way. I, I don't think that that they should be raced very hard, but I don't think they should. you should just move out of the way for the playoff drivers. I think you should race them as hard as you would want to be raced if you were in the playoffs. So I think seeing this, I think we're going to see some more hard racing between non-playoff drivers and playoff drivers as the season goes on. And I'm interested to see who will, who will come out and and win. Will we have a guy in the round of in the round of eight to to come out and win two races as a playoff driver and lead it, or will we see something like three different playoff drivers and one guy sneaks in, but none of them are really better than the other one, better have have better odds than the others. I think I think that could be how it goes, and and I'm I'm not sure, but I'm I know it's going to be very. Very exciting to watch this this season fold out, and I'm excited to see how, who who goes on and, and wins the Roval and see if they can build any momentum. I think Chase Elliott right now is the person you got to look at to build momentum. They're good at the Roval, very very good at the Roval. You already got to win. You can you can go to the Roval. You you don't lose anything if you wreck. If you win that race, you build more momentum going into the round of eight. I think that. If he does that, I think he will be the surefire favorite to win the championship. But if he goes to the Roval and wrecks out, who knows?
Well, you said it earlier, I think. Uh, Chase Elliott has nothing to lose. But he really does have everything to gain because he can go out there and make a statement. Back-to-back wins is a statement. And, and not only does that bring momentum, which I do believe in momentum, although we've seen how it can shift one week over the next here in 2022, but I do think because we haven't really had a clear-cut favorite that they could go out there and make a statement. That could go a long way. Now, when it comes to having everything to gain as well, don't know if they're going to go for stage points or not. You know, And there is one bonus playoff point with each of those. But right now, he's sitting at 46 extra playoff points. Uh, and those 46 extra playoff points, again, are going to be enough for him to continue to be the number one seed when we get to the next round. There are seven more available in this race that he could carry into the next round. Every point matters always. If he could go into the next round with 51 because he won the Roval, 52 because maybe he won a stage along the way, maybe even 53, all of those things to me are a statement to the rest of the field that could send anyone else who makes it into the round of eight thinking, well, I've got to go after one of the now three available playoff spots because Chase Elliott's already got one. Yeah, I think... That that's the only thing he should be focused on. He's got nothing to lose going into the Roval, and it's it's his track to win. I think he's gonna be the favorite to win that race, and and he should be the favorite to win that race. He's been so consistent there. He's so good on the road courses, and now that he's already got a win to advance him in this round, if you make a statement and and win this race, I think. These other teams are going to be trying to catch you, and it's going to just be, it's going to go in your favor the rest of the way. Uh, but I just want to turn things in a, in a little bit of a different direction. If we look at the Xfinity series as of right now, we see AJ, AJ Allmendinger wins Talladega. He advances himself into the round of eight, um, and so does Noah Gregson. So we have two people who advanced in, in the Xfinity series to the round of eight. Do you think? you have a favorite to win that series yet? Oh, well, I, I think um, Noah Gregson would be the obvious on the surface. But I really like Justin Allgaier, and here's why. Because I think Justin Allgaier can move up into the next round. Currently, he's sitting as the number six seed. And I think Justin Allgaier is definitely a good road course racer, and he could do very well at the Roval. Vegas has been one of his best tracks historically. If you go back and look at his performance there, uh, Homestead, he's been good. And I think he could be good at Martinsville. Reason why I picked Justin Allgaier is because I think if we get to Phoenix, that he would probably be my favorite to actually not just go out there and win the championship, but maybe even go out there and win the Phoenix race. You know, it just seems like tracks like Richmond where he's won a couple of times Phoenix just really set up for him. So while Noah Gregson is the one kind of, you know, making the biggest splash right now, I almost like Justin Allgaier if it comes down to that championship race. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. If he if he makes it to that to that championship race at Phoenix, he's been really good on the on the one mile ish flat tracks. He's really good at Richmond. He won New Hampshire. He's pretty good at, at Phoenix. I think it's hard to stray away from him. But it's again the Xfinity series is you have guys who will submit themselves as the favorite, but there's always a guy kind of floating around who'll sneak his way into the mix towards the end. I think we even saw it last year with Daniel Hemrick. He he was consistent, very very consistent. Never had a win though. Made it into the final race at Phoenix and swooped his way on the inside on the last 
lap and won it. So I think I'd if I had to pick somebody, I'd have to pick No Gregson at this point. Four wins in a row, very very consistent. He's been unstoppable recently i'd have to pick him but it's hard to also stray away from guys like ty gibbs and aj omdinger he hasn't been aj omdinger hasn't been great on the ovals but i think if you put him in the situation where he he needs to win to win the championship i think he can get it done and then obviously justin allgaier is good josh barry's really good on the short tracks if he can get past martinsville which i think he'll, he'll be one of the favorites to win that and go to phoenix i think he could submit himself so you you see this how this year has kind of fit itself with all the series, the trucks, the Xfinity series, and the Cup series. I think this has been one of the most exciting series we've had, seasons we've had ever. Yeah, it definitely has. Anytime you start to talk about, you know, records being tied, um, unfortunately not broken for Noah Gregson last week. He was going for five wins in a row. Um, you know, a good handful of drivers really being able to step up and raise their hand. You know, Jeremy Clements making the playoffs was really cool. Obviously, he struggled a little bit since they got there. Ryan Sieg, same story. But, JC, are we potentially doing ourselves a disservice if we ignore Austin Hill? You know, he opened the season with a win at Daytona. He got the win there in his home state of Atlanta, which I know is our, uh, his home state of Georgia, I should say, uh, at Atlanta Motor Speedway, which was a big thing for him. Um, but it just seems like here lately, I'm not saying Austin Hill's been showing up for chances to win, but Austin Hill's been showing up. And, and do we need to make sure that uh, that we keep our eyes on him in case, heck, he just sneaks up and, and ultimately maybe goes after that big trophy? I think you definitely have to keep your eyes on him because it's not just him that's kind of turned turned up on the last couple races. I think both of the RCR Xfinity cars with Sheldon Creed as well, I think both of them have kind of gone up a notch in the last couple races. You've seen them both be very competitive. We saw both of them at Darlington having a shot to win that race. So I I, I think that you you can't look past him. You you got to give him a shot to advance or got to keep him in the in the question. The one thing I'm kind of iffy though about Austin Hill is he's been very very good on the super speedways and we've seen that on every super speedway race whether it's Daytona, Talladega or Atlanta, all of them he's been in contention to win and he's won two of them and that's where he's gotten both of his wins. But he hasn't really shown much from the other tracks. I haven't seen enough from the other tracks to really submit him as the level of Noah Gregson, Ty Gibbs, Justin Allgaier, AJ Allmendinger. Those I just can't put him on that level yet. I'm gonna have to see something out of these next four races they have before the uh, championship race to to really put him in that situation where he can win a championship. Well, you know, I was just looking up his stats, and and what really stands out. Uh, Austin Hill this year has led 308 laps. 60 were at Talladega um, just this past weekend. 18 were at Daytona, the second Daytona race. 73 were at the Atlanta race that he won. 67 were at Talladega, the first Talladega, before he wrecked out. 27 were at Atlanta, uh, the first Atlanta this year. And then 23 in the Daytona race that he won. The only races where he has actually led double-digit laps outside of that 13 at the first Texas, 16 at the second Texas. Uh, I would say there's a pretty big trend right there. It's either a super speedway or it's Texas where Austin Hill has really stuck out and uh, gone out there and led a bunch of laps. 
Yeah, I have to agree with you. That's that's just thing. He's he's got enough points. He's got plenty of points. He's sitting in fourth in the Xfinity playoffs right now, and he's got two wins. But if you if you really look over it, you if you can look over it very easily because he he hasn't shown enough to me at the intermediate tracks that the other guys have. And knowing that the Roval and we have Las Vegas, Homestead, and Martinsville next. Those aren't tracks that he hasn't really shown much at. But you got guys like Ty Gibbs, No Gregson, AJ Allmendinger is really good at the Roval. Justin Allgaier is good at Martinsville. He's going to be good at Phoenix. You just, I don't think it plays too well for him to, to get a championship. I'd have to see more from the other intermediate tracks for him to really have a shot to win the championship. I just, he's very, very, very good at the super speedways. He's kind of like a Justin Haley in the way he's consistent on the, on the intermediate tracks, but he's not in contention to win all the time, but you put him on a super speedway and man, does he show up? Yeah, it's a great analysis. It, It really is. Especially, I mean, the numbers really speak volumes when it comes to that point. Yeah, and, and as we go into the Roval, I want to hear um, your picks. Who do you think is going to take the the Roval race? I think it's going to be really exciting, but I want to know who you who you would put all your money on to win that race. Oh, man. See, I, I was going to try and go outside of the low-hanging fruit, but if you're asking me to empty my wallet, uh, then it would be hard to not take Chase Elliott. Like I mentioned, um, you know, he has been the best at – road course races when it comes to the next-gen car, even though he's not won one yet in the next-gen car. He um, has gone out there, has had four top ten finishes, three top fives, average of 6.8, and then obviously he's been the best at the Roval in the four races that we've had so far. So if I truly had to empty my wallet, uh, it would be hard to not take Chase Elliott. Yeah, I'm, I am I have to agree with that, but I'm going to go with uh, with – AJ Allmendinger, I think he's he's going to have a shot to win that race. He always is really good in in the Cup car at these road courses, and he's great at the Roval. And I did see some stuff on social media. Not so sure if you saw it, but some kind of kind of news. He might go into the 16 car full time next year. Uh, if if that's true, I think this is going to give him more motivation to to win that race. And I think AJ Allmendinger can get it done, but I, I'm just not sure. If they can take Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott's really going to be the guy to beat with his with his past win. He's already got momentum. He wants to build on that, and he's got nothing to lose. So I think that's that's your surefire pick. But I'm going with AJ Allmendinger. I, I can't argue with that. I mean, think about it: three time consecutive Xfinity Roval winner. Um, the momentum that they're going to have, assuming they make an announcement this week uh, with him driving full time in Cup next year. And again, they have absolutely nothing to lose. And the Roval really is where it all started in victory lane with Colleg Racing for A.J. Allmendinger as well. And um, and just this week kind of sets itself up for a great storyline like that. I think that's an awesome pick. Yeah, and I just want to add one more thing. From watching that, that test they did at the Roval earlier last year, Chase Elliott, I'm pretty sure, wasn't in the 100 cars. They had 200 cars there, and I think it was – Kyle Larson and I want to say Alex Bowman were in the 200 cars. Right. Um, but AJ Allmendinger was in the Kali car and he was wheeling that thing around. He was seconds ahead of everyone else on lap times. He was really confident in the car. He was sliding it around. He was having fun. I know he was having fun there. And, and that just gives me a little bit more motivation to pick him. But I want to thank you. I want to thank you, uh, 
Brad, for joining me today. It's it's going to be an exciting week going into my home state of Charlotte, North Carolina, and seeing this race. I'm I'm super excited, and I want to thank you for joining me. Oh, no, JC, this has been a true pleasure, and uh, it's really awesome to be on your podcast, man. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for joining me. Tune in next week for the race after the Roval, and so we look ahead to Las Vegas. That's going to be an exciting race uh, to start off, or yeah, Las Vegas, to start off the round of eight. We're going to cut it down to eight drivers and go on from there, and uh, thanks for stopping by The Garage. The Garage.